0: Have you ever noticed the world isn't quite what it presents itself to be? That something is just a little off-kilter, just a little out of focus. Some of you may know me from my career in the Distilled Spirits industry as the Alchemist of the Black Forest of Indiana, an industry as I see it more than just a little influenced by the occult and the work of opening doors and capturing essences. Here you'll see another side of what I do and how I'm influenced by such experiences. Here, myself and occasionally friends will share first-hand accounts, stories shared with us, for tea and news, interviews, and a healthy dose of history and speculation. Settle in for the ride and enjoy. Perhaps that movement you saw out of the corner of your eye was more than just a shadow. Perhaps that weight on your shoulder a bit more than fatigue. I've lived my whole life like this. Perceptive of those things that might be viewed by the less aware amongst us as simple circumstances, magic thinking, or even make-believe. Anticipating with the many ups and downs of my own perception, I have anxiously awaited the more positive of those experiences, dreading those of a darker caliber. I believe from societal observation in recent years that others are becoming acutely aware of the currently scientifically unmeasurable world that surrounds us. I believe that spiritual warfare is real. Join us as we take a hard left into the heath and heather. Join us as we call out into the void, as the veil frays at the edges, and recall, if you have ghosts, you have everything.
1: Bourbon, scotch, cognac, gin. Any type of spirit that you get a chance to taste transports you to a new and very interesting universe. Hi, I'm Jack Bigadu. On the street, I'm known as a hood sommelier. And what I do is I love to taste new spirit and educate people on how to appreciate each spirit that they put their nose or their taste bud into. Follow me on this journey and help me guide you on appreciating every spirit that you touch. Remember, the truth is bearer proof. See you next time.
0: Welcome back to If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything with your host, Alan Bishop, the alchemist of the Black Forest. We've got a very special episode for you guys tonight with two of my favorite people in the world. Christy Atkinson, my cohort over at Distillers Talk Podcast, and Jack Begadu, the hood Somalier, the host, co-host of Monday Suck. Jack and I have become very good friends over the past couple years. Jack is actually from Togo, Africa, And his culture is incredibly interesting to me. And as I think you'll hear throughout this podcast, he and I immediately hit it off when we first met. He came by the distillery a couple years ago, gave him a tour, hung out with him and his buddy Tim and my buddy Tim from Monday Suck. We had a great time talking about herbalism and the supernatural and the way that we grew up. And we had way more similarities than we had differences. So it was really cool to get him on the show. And the really cool thing about having him on the show is This is kind of an introductory episode with Jack. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to introduce this audience to Jack if they weren't familiar with him. Let the audience get to know the culture that Jack grew up in. Some of the belief systems surrounding that culture. And then we're going to get Jack back for our final episode of season one. Which we hope to record shortly and have up for the Day of the Dead on November the 1st. I'll tell you guys right now, uh, I figured out that on Zoom calls, for whatever reason, Zoom will not pick up on my audio equipment, or it hasn't been. I think I figured it out now, but it hasn't been, so I've been recording through the microphone on my damn computer, so every once in a while, you're going to hear the damn computer fan kick in. I apologize for that. I think I've got it figured out for this next recording with Jack, and I think it's going to be a lot better quality. But all things considered, this turned out to be a great interview for being the first remote interview that we've done on If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything and I can't wait for you guys to hear it and see what you guys think about it. I also can't wait to have Jack back to tell his more personal paranormal stories and the things that he's experienced throughout the world. We're also going to have Christy Atkinson back on here because Christy is very well traveled and she's had some very unique experiences over the years and I can't wait to share those with you guys. Anyways set back, relax and enjoy. Love ya.
1: Oh, uh, it's Jack Bigadoo. Bigadoo has a drum roll, uh, but on a whiskey street. I'm known as the Hood Sommelier. And uh, um, I'm a whiskey educator by night but by day. Uh, I'm an insurance agent, uh, born and raised in Africa and came here pretty young. Eighteen years later, I'm about to tell you what my life was like in the paranormal side of living in Africa.
0: Yeah, I always um, because people will get a kick out of this. I think for some reason, Jack, I always put an L in your name. <laughs> <laughs> it's that Hoosier coming through, man. I can't help it. I can't looking, help
2: it. You're looking at the Lutugole at the end.
0: <laughs> Listen, I massacred a whole bunch of French words uh, when I did the Count of Saint Germain episode. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm just gonna be honest with you. So.
2: I know a whole bunch of people that want to help you te- learn those words. They're not going to criticize you. They just want you to know how to pronounce them.
1: Well, that's okay. I, I have a, I have a lot of issues with people. I almost made a TikTok today uh, about pronunciation. Because I remember the first time I got into a TIFF. Or should mm-hmm. I say uh, a, kind of a, an ego contest with anybody was a, a server. I go to mm-hmm. a bar. I'm sitting. I'm... Really kind to service because they They don't get enough, in
2: the service industry
1: They don't get enough credit mm-hmm. And and the server comes in And I'm like okay uh, I said oh my god how is your viewcare here And she goes yeah the Vukare is really good And I go No there's no B in that In that word And he just got tickets like My cousin and brother live in Paris And I know it's Vukare And I'm like can you say that again one more time? She said, Bukhari. And I say, Can you spell that for me?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like, it's V. I'm like, you see, you already fucked that thing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's carré meaning yeah. the old square, which literally have nothing to do with Bukhari, which what you're saying means that the end is square. Right. But that was, pronunciation is so important, especially when it comes from a Latin-based language. It's, that was my little story.
0: Right, right.
2: Because <laughs> of you? your, your anglicized form, it actually has sommelier in it as well, which is a French word. Yeah. So. so
0: yeah, go ahead, Christy. Sorry.
2: So, if you don't already know me, I'm Ellen's sidekick. I am a pain in his royal ass. Uh, but Christy Atkinson on Distillers Talk. I'm also on the Angel Share Underneath the Angel, uh, the Bourbon Life podcast, um, and you'll be hearing a lot more about my company, High Proof Curious, pretty soon.
0: Good. Well, I'm glad to have both of you here on uh, on the show. And uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have Jack on is because Jack and I, first time we met, we immediately hit it off because you know there's there's uh, oftentimes there's more in common between cultures and there is difference, right? And I think Jack and I have a lot of things in common as far as the way that we kind of view the spiritual world and all that sort of thing, um, all the way down to, you know, we one of the very first conversations we had was about folk medicine and Jack brought a bunch of herbs and botanicals to me and we went through them and we talked about their importance and what they're used for from his home country. And uh, I thought that that was a really cool little exchange that we had. And so Jack and I have talked a little bit about spirituality in the past, but I know that Jack has got things to share that I think the people that listen to the show, in particular, will be very curious to hear. So I'm going to turn it over to Jack and let him uh, take over the platform, and you can take this wherever you want to. Jack and go as in depth as you want, brother.
1: One of the the most interesting thing uh, uh, that you said is is we we when we met there was that what I call natural connection and. Uh, speaking of natural connection, there's something that my grandma used to say. They say, This is souls meet before people meet, right? And we no one takes that seriously. It's like the person you're gonna get along with, somewhere it was already written how you guys are gonna meet. You just don't know it yet till you guys meet. So when I met you, you, you felt you, your soul felt, um, the word I'm trying to use is common He felt familiar, right? It's like it's like we pa- we cross path before. I
2: was like, gonna say but, your souls caress
0: cracks, right? It's
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't make it weird. <laughs> 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 but,
1: but it's like it's like we cross path before. Uh, I never, I didn't feel, and we were talking about where you live, where as a black man, I should feel very weird when I'm walking through that town, but. At that moment in time with us just speaking I, I felt like our, our, our path our paths kind of crossed before in life it was kind of weird because it's like I talked I talked to you before and we were just like re- reunited again to actually have a conversation so it's something that even the first time I then this goes back to the time you created Unpretentious. pretentious and you created unpretentious I had the whiskey and like there's something familiar about this, and which is something that is very important because when I was talking to you, where I realized that we really had some commonality is when you start talking about your steels, the name of your steals, why you gave them that name, and uh what you believe, and uh, you know, and and you almost uh give soul and life to do still by giving them a name and you know their character. And at that point I'm like, okay, this guy is an African loss in, in 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 this, you know, in this um, Ohio country here. Because there wasn't nothing more African than that. All right. So you know, um if if I have to go back to my background and the reason why probably you and I relate it is but I'm born in West Africa, which is the home of divinities, right? If you, if you go back in time, uh, we had in, in the African continent had empires. It used to be the Niger Empire, the Mali Empire. So it was always about a, a struggle of power. And uh, we had our own divinities, right? Uh, and in most of these cultures we believed in what we see and which means that it was what we could touch what we could smell what you, what you could which you feel that became a divinity so people pray to what people pray to the sun because the sun gave you life people pray to the god of of wind because the wind is what pull it do help pollen, you know the pollen move around for harvest People pray to the God of the earth or the sin because that's what gave life to the plants and things, you know. So when people say earth, wind, fire, I start laughing because that have a deeper meaning to culture than people know, right? It, it is uh, any from from rite of passage from your grandfather to your great grandfather, it, it, there was a power there that from the earth that gave you medicine that gave you, you know, that gave you, uh, uh, food that gave you what you needed. So you pray to those things. Um, you know, in, uh, in, in the Mina culture in Togo, Benin, Nigeria, used to be called the, the gold coast in that area. You know, there is what they call voodoo. The voodoo culture is, is the culture that gives to nature, right? the, most people will hear voodoo and you, you know, there is this weird thing in your head. There's like this black guy from Haiti killing. It's a very
2: a, negative connotation. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, killing a chicken and, and putting it over something. And that's when you say voodoo, that's what people think about.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But but the voodoo culture is probably one of the oldest and ancient cultures of belief in uh, in in the world. You know, Um if you have to go back in the history of, of, you know, Africa itself, you know, it was the gods that walk the continent first that left Africa, right? It was because the story says it's because they weren't loved enough that they went and brought others. So, you know, you, you didn't, you didn't venerate your God enough. That's why he went and brought other people into the continent. That's why people will say Africa is the continent that has it all, but always been colonized by strangers because we didn't love our God enough. So somewhere, colonization also used that against us. You know, if you go through the history of Africa, you know, Togo was colonized by French people, but previously in World War I, we were colonized by Germany. The whole coast was colonized by Germany. And what was the first explorer that came to Africa? There was three types, Every, every ship that left Europe that came to Africa always had the same thing. You had the scientists, you had the people, the general of the war in, and then you have the church guy. They will, You always send the church people first because they were here to tell you about your divinities, things you were most afraid of, above you. And then they will send the scientists because they were trying to teach you something new or a better way. And then they will send the warriors. So it's always been the story, the story of Africa. But us growing up, we were told that God come in multiple form. Believing right, divinities come in multiple form. So your, 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 my dad could be, could be, uh, you know, doing our own tradition uh, of 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 ancestors and, and giving up to the earth and whatnot. Meanwhile, my aunt is there praying on a Bible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which my my third uncle is Muslim. And so the freedom of religion, almost every freaking religion you can think of in your head is in Africa. So when you wait when you grow up as a kid, you kind of have to weave around all of it to find what you truly believe in. Right. right. But understanding who you are come between culture and religion to actually make you kind of build the basement of who you are.
2: And, and you know what's funny is I think Alan and I highly identify with that and this is probably part of why you felt that connection with Alan. Alan and I both had that the connection with each other. I mean, if you go back five to seven generations, Alan and I are probably related. We do definitely come from the exact same country back five to seven generations, but our families were both pagan back then. And, you know, trying to find, you know, that happy harmony between paganism and Christianity. And I think in a lot of us who came from the Scandinavian countries originally and then emigrated over to the the British Isles, we still have a lot of those pagan origins in who we are as a soul.
0: It follows, follows, in my opinion, it follows DNA. And one of the other things that I would say there, too, is that you know those powers and principalities jack like what you're what you're talking about you're right They're the, they they translate that's why there's so many correlations between all the different gods and goddesses etc across cultures right um and even ones that may not seem on the face of things to to make sense to to let's say a, a fundamentalist christian but you take dionysus the story of dionysus and jesus there's a lot of parallels between those two but i think this is one reason jack why you and i do did hit it off so well from the get go is even here in Pekin, so, you know, most, most of my people coming from Appalachia, but then going back into Europe, obviously. Uh, even if they were Christian, they were pagan where we live at, and they don't realize that they're pagan. If you were, if you were a subsistence farmer here, in any way, shape, or form, you're a pagan. Mm-hmm. You just you just are That's you're, You know, there's a Queens of the Stone Age song, My God is the Sun, and that I identify very heavily with that particular song uh, for those reasons and i think one of the other things where you and i kind of hit it off too is that there's um you know there's here where i'm at there's obviously a lack of representation right um for your culture but there were settlements here all the way up until right after the civil war unfortunately and i've done a lot of the historical research here because nobody else jeremy elliott who i just had on the show he and i we dug deep into that stuff man and that's all the way down to taking you know bottles to graves and stuff like that so um which
1: which speaking of bottles to grave Mm -hmm. that's the oldest tradition yeah we have as well right tribute right and uh, i I would tell you where we actually I, i knew that you were somebody that i right off the bat just like as a person is giving homage Giving homage is something that people don't understand. Like giving homage to people, right? For the life they've lived, for what they've left for us to take. Because it takes back to what we know or what I know as right of passage. Perfect example. I was just back home in June. I was back home. When you come back from our village... Before you leave the house, there is a ceremony that needs to happen. The elder of the home have to wish you a safe road, right? Safe passage, whatever it is that you're going. And the way it works is that you have to bring something that your great grand, your, your, the oldest of the oldest of your bloodline likes which in my house have always been the local beer, the local barley beer. is a thing that my great-grandfather really liked, which my grandmas also like. But if you don't know what the line likes, you have to give them something to, you know, quench their thirst because the earth takes water from you, right? It it, it dries you out as, as a dead person. So is it the water or is it the moonshine, which is a clear spirit? Or you have to bring something to feed them, which usually because they are older, you are bringing the, the, what we always will do is we'll take corn, cornmeal, we'll put in water to make it soluble. And that's what you'll pour on the ground. And what you're asking for is that your blood is leaving, right? Now, let me put in corner. Why do you do that? Every kid, Born in most countries in West Africa, your umbilical cord, the day you're born, is buried at the beginning of your home. Why? It's to ground you. Right? You're grounded. So, your umbilical cord is part of your home. The reason why is because there is the saying. If you don't know where you're going, you know where you're from. Because it's supposed to bring you home. Is bring your spirit home, even if you lose your mind, even if you're you you have amnesia. The spirits will bring you home because they know where you buried. The umbilical cord is considered the anchor of your life. So,
0: well, the, even the idea that that say for some reason for some people home doesn't exist, right? You still there's there's still that that cultural ideal of it, that that spiritual ideal of it that you go back to. Um, So we, I have something here that I I don't know that I've ever told you about, Jack, but so one of the things that I do every year, especially for Thomas Green, and I very much do believe that Thomas Green is a spirit that roams, the character that I play, and I also believe there's a little bit of a tulpa aspect to it, and I fall into it a little bit too much sometimes. So in the springtime, I take seeds to his grave, and I plant them. They're not going to get a chance to grow, they're going to get mowed off, and that's fine. And in the fall, I make... Uh, basically a blessing powder which includes marigolds and take back and i put him back to bed and when i've made the mistake in the past of not putting him back to bed i get myself in trouble a lot and the other thing i've done is in my yard there's a um a crossroads sign and it has the names of distillers that i've used for research and it has an arrow pointing back to where they they need to go
1: so be be you know talking about giving homage and being anchored It's something that I appreciate all all the time when it comes to what you do or where we connect. Because you go home, you leave home where, you know, you you have to, they have to give you safe passage. Their blood is protected. You are, you are their lineage. So their goal as your ancestors is to always cover you from any bad spirit or any dangers coming your way. And guide you through your moments of of fear or your moments of doubt to know who you are so you can do better and make better decisions so you can come back home.
0: What's up, guys? It's me again, Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest. You might remember from a couple weeks ago, we had on Jeremy Elliott, the historian of Washington County, Indiana, to talk about some of the haunted history of Washington County, Indiana. We also talked about the murder and mayhem tour that Jeremy heads up in Salem, Indiana. So if you're at all interested in the darker side of small town life and history, check out the murder and mayhem tour. Friday and Saturday, October 14th and 15th. Tours leave every 20 minutes beginning at 6 o'clock p.m. The last tour leaves at 9.40 p.m. and the walk takes about 50 minutes. It's $15 per person and recommended for ages 13 and up. If you're interested, then text Charity Maine at 812-620-3701. Again, 812-620-3701 for reservations. I'll see you there.
1: back home and the opposite happens. When you come home, you cannot drop you cannot drop your luggage into the bedroom till you thank and appreciate the ancestors for bringing you home. So in the saying, I had to learn from my dad is you start with the elders that you remember, the elders that you can remember, and you start. Let's say I I, I talk to Bigadu Solo, which is my, which is my great my 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 grandfather. I will say, Elder Bigadu Solo, I'm thanking you as your great grandson, as your blood, for giving me safe passage and bringing me home. I will not forget you and my dad here standing by me. So as the youngest. Or at the person that came back you in front. Your closest elder is behind you. And your uncles are behind you. Because they want you to thank your ancestors. Which I'm giving homage to my dad. Which I go now to my grandmother. And I say, hey grandmother, thank you so much for bringing me in. And then when you're done. You pour, you pour, you pour that that spirit or that water on the ground. And see it go. In my culture. My something funny about my great grandmother is she loved, loved Guinness. She loved beer, which we call it the foamy one. That's what we'll call it in our culture. And we'll always say, even though we'll do the normal, the normal water or spirit, for my grandmother, because she was so particular in on her happy days, she'll drink the local barley beer, but on her happy days. Anybody that comes and say, Grandma, how can I spoil you? She'll be like, Give me the foamy one. So we will always we'll send the maid to get the beer the, the some Guinness and we'll say to you our favorite grandmother we we I want you to remember that when I went on the road things were good and I want you to be happy so I brought you some foamy one we're not going to pour you a lot but we just want you to know that the little that we have we want to share with you and you will pour it down and see it all dry before you go and wash your hand, wash your feet before you get into the house. Like, you don't do that, everybody's going to kick you out of the house.
2: All right. No, that's an amazing show of respect. And Alan, I know you do something similar on the distiller side when you have named a spirit after a historical figure, and you go and you pay tribute with that first bottle or two, and you either you pour it in the grave or you, you put it, you know... It, somewhere nearby, but you're making sure that they have uh, to share it with you.
0: Yeah. Um, so I have some family stuff similar to, to what Jack is talking about as well. Not exactly the same, but very, very similar, but with like the, the people that name things after like it's, it's uh, cause they're not my ancestors. I'm my family's not from Indiana. Like, and I had this, this conversation with, uh, with Fred, no, not too long ago. Um, younger fred uh Freddie. i'll get him confused whatever it doesn't matter going forward hey. but uh, yeah Freddie. i always want to call him fred because i have an uncle named fred but uh anyways so i told him i said like i don't i don't like envy being in kentucky because the nice thing about being in indiana is twofold uh all of the people that i looked up to here are dead and they were dead a 100 years before i ever got here and so there's i'm i get a chance to bring back traditions that weren't even mine right and i think that's almost more fun and then i pay tribute to them to keep them happy um and hopefully keep them on my good side and i feel like there's a connection uh between all those spirits which is why i did the john bowman episode because i feel like the spirit of john bowman introduced me to lee sinclair and lee sinclair introduced me to maddie gladden etc etc because they're all related uh very much so but jack i have a question uh so you mentioned the um the washing your hands and your feet like right so is, yep. and is that is that directly related to um, uh, The paying the tribute Before you come into the house sort of thing Or?
1: No, no no? Okay. So
0: washing your hand and your feet are, are
1: a big deal mm-hmm. So there is There is a culture There's a culture thing about uh, Not taking bad omen And bringing it into your home Yes, right, gotcha yeah. So you <laughs> No matter what you do Let's say you went on a long trip um, let's say you went, you went, you went out for a long day. Um, in most houses, you just have to wash your hand and wash your face to make sure that whatever it is that happened there um, is sit outside and is usually on on your compound. We'll call it before you get to your house. Reason why is because you're kind of washing bad things away. It's hygienic, true, but mm-hmm. it's cultural because when when there's two things that happen when someone. When anybody walk into a home, you have to wash your hand and you have to, they give you water. Because just in case, you are not who you say you are. Speaking of ghosts, right? right? Let's say a spirit possess at someone and coming to tempt you. The washing of the hand and the feet is to say that I'm pure and I'm clean, I'm walking in. Giving them water to drink is to say is is for you to say that I want you no harm, I mean you nothing bad, and I will offer you water because no where you come from, you're welcome in my house. It's your sign to say you're welcome into our house. Which even as a kid, if a guest come to the house and you don't offer them water, you disrespected the guest and you brought disrespect and shame onto your family. So you will see people, let's say I walk into you, I say, Alan, we start talking for a while. And then I sit down. Once I sit down, the next minute that follow, there is the wife bringing water, the kid bringing water, somebody bringing water. And if that doesn't happen, you see mostly dad or, you know, the parent or whomever, the the guest of the person will be like, oh, I'm so sorry. We didn't even give you water. Hey, can y'all give this? Can y'all bring him water? That isn't normal
0: right
2: so So there's a cleansing and alan like i know both of us but especially you we have protective charms leading up to the house with the railroad ties and such but do you do a similar cleansing
0: so to to some degree yes so the water the water thing usually here it was it was always it was tea like and and that's that's just part of the culture but one of the things with like appalachian folk magic and i picked this up from my grandmother my grandmother And this goes back to, again, those pagan ideas and not realizing that they're they're pagan and it's all connected. But uh, so we always had a corn cob over top the door. And the reason the corn cob is there is because the spirits have to stop and they have to count every single place where there's a corn kernel before they can ever even have a chance to come in the house. And then to come in the house, because they had to stop, they have to be invited in the house. So it's a way to separate that spirit from you before you ever get in the door. Um, One of the other things we have, and Jack, you may have something similar to this is, you don't ever, you don't ever go in the back door and come out the front right. door. Um, that is, that is a,
1: that is a absolutely no no. Yeah, I think that, that goes is.
2: across multiple cultures too. There
1: is, there, there is a few things that you don't do. So, which is, which is just, you know, I would say is, is, you know, is a caveat, but. You don't you don't shake you 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 come to somebody's house, you you don't go through the back door because you don't belong in that house. So that's not your place to go. If you go to the back door and go to the front door, that means you you brought you brought something into the house. You have to explain yourself. That's one. Two, you don't shake, you don't come in somebody's house and shake their hand with your non-dominant hand. So if most people are righty, if you shake my hand with a left hand, it's probably you trying to you're trying to poison me or you bring in something that is dirty Two, you do not take your shoes when you come in into the first time in somebody's house and walk into somebody's living room it's a you you don't do that that is a that is that is a no
2: i I think i think it's funny that you mentioned the, the right hand thing because so i think that goes across multiple cultures where like the left hand scene is bad so i'm actually left hand dominant i'm left-handed i write with my right hand because i was taught in school it was bad to be left-handed and they so, made maybe learn with the right hand they did it to my brother too my brother went back to being left-handed
0: there's a there's a catholic component to that christy
2: but i'm you not catholic no you no don't Catholics have, in my family at all
0: you, you don't have to be because it was it was it was predominant was ingrained he was ingrained ingrain yeah. in from colonization mm-hmm. Mm-hmm so it was whenever and i can't remember the name of the of the pope but back when they were would lay out towns so you're familiar with the idea of right hand path left hand path left hand path magic right hand path so where that concept comes from later on is the idea of the division between civilization and heathens right and so what they would do when they laid out a town they would lay it out at right angles everything would be laid out at right angles and everything to the left of those right angles is the heath. It's the heather. It's the hedges. It's the, it's the places of the uncivilized. The you know what I mean. The pagans. That's where they live, and that's why we're in in that culture. The left hand has a negative connotation all the way down to uh, magical uh, sort of ideas like with Aleister Crowley and the Golden Dawn and and the left hand path magic and all well, that. Even in
2: Islam, it's seen as like it's dirty,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> right. and and you can't you because we 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 are. We all eat in community, right? So mm-hmm. when I was growing up, it's one plate and all the kids eat in, in the same plate. So obviously everybody washed their hand, everybody do that, but you cannot, you cannot eat with Still your left
2: hand. Still seen as dirty. <laughs>
1: you can't. You cannot eat with your left hand. It, it's it, It's just, you know, you, you, you just can't do that. It's <laughs> like I, if somebody asked me even why now, I'd be like, oh no, you just don't do that, right? <laughs>
2: Yeah, so, and I remember the first time I went to shake someone's hand, like you know, like a child turning into adulthood, and an adult put their hand out to me, and I reached with my left hand. It's like, That's... and then they just looked at me kind of strange because they had their other hand. It's like, and it took me a minute to understand what was going on.
0: And do that, and even even within uh, some, I just thought this see within some of those magical workings as well, uh, all the way down to and just to tie this in the spirits to some degree, but. Uh, with protein distillers in Ireland, um, you throw your methanol off your four shots as a, as a sacrifice to the little people, and it's always your right hand over your left shoulder. It's like the salt. Yeah, very much so. Jack, I'm curious too, man. Um, like other, so I mentioned the, the corn cob thing, right? And we just talked about the doors. So I'm, I'm wondering if there are, like, let's say objects that have uh, certain certain connotations or certain. So they're described yes yeah because we obviously me being a, a, a hillbilly from southern indiana like mine are all weird found objects you know what i mean and it, some of them are things that i've described power to and some of them are things that just through growing up around my grandparents like christy mentioned the railroad spikes right so that's the old idea that iron has power over top of evil souls over top mm-hmm. of the dead I keep
2: rowing spikes in my guest room to protect my guests. Mm-hmm.
0: So we, we have them on all the cardinal corners of the house as well as around the doors. And then we also keep a, a blue spirits bottle next to each door um, at all times, uh, which usually works except that the dog now grabs the one by the back door and takes off <laughs> with it, which doesn't make me feel real good. But... Um, <laughs> But yeah, the idea with iron is that it, it wards off evil spirits. The same reason why in cemeteries and, and especially the eastern part of the United States, you see iron fences around cemeteries. It's A to keep evil spirits out and B to keep evil spirits in at the same time. So But
2: Elena, you and I have had this discussion before because I brought up railroads, not just railroad spikes, but railroads in general and having a lot of spirit activity near railroads and that being a channel for spirits.
0: They're antennas. They're ampl- so, amplifiers. So
2: most of my spiritual experiences with the other world have actually been near railroads, mm-hmm. very close to railroads.
0: So, Jack, here's here's another another thought on that, too, like with objects, and, and I, I want you to get into that as in-depth as you want to, but, like, um, so for us, and not to keep harping on the railroad thing, but it's it's what's here and it's what we had access to, right? So... Um, and it's the same thing with like the idea of using crystals, et cetera, right that you have the you know especially clarity and all that stuff, quartz being able to heal and everything. So one of the other things that you'll see used in magic implementations amongst uh, Appalachian magic is uh, railroad insulators, the glass railroad insulators. and they have a positive connotation. They're not protection. They're more of an amplifier of whatever your intentions are sort of thing. and i'm I'm very curious what what are what are those sort of things that that you guys have in your culture too
1: which is which is actually very uh i like to say very if i'm gonna speak as an as an african born son i'll be like it's very colonizer like you know that's how i look at it because for us it was like i said we 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 our belief were set on things that nature provided right so if if protection wise Um, during harvest season right during harvest season i will tell you the first paranormal thing that i actually went through like where i was conscious of it because some of them i was not but some what i was conscious of so i'm from the north side of of togo and in the north side of togo um is said according to our culture and what my, you know, my uncles and great uncle told me, it said that some families, in some families, some kids are born with extra limbs, they call it, or extra, extra values, they will call it, which they call in our language, Alewa. Alewa mean, uh, to- uh, what do you call, sp- um, invisible toys. And he said, it said that, there was two kind of those kids, those type of kids, one that was growing up to just be terribly bad, and ones that were growing up that should be terribly good. And the ones that were good were usually the witch doctors, were usually the uh, the, the the town fighters, right, and the the town um, medical team. But the bad one were always the the robbers, the the bandit of the town, and those bandit was it was was impossible to catch them because they would use their alewa to open doors that were closed to get into places that were impossible to get. But once a year, there was a truce. There is a truce between those two type of people, and so there is three festival that happens uh, back home. First festival is Evala. Evala is the rite of passage of all the boys between the age of 14 to 18. That's where you show your rite of passage. Village again, tribe against tribal wrestle. And the winners after the first three years have now a position in the family to, to speak as a man, right? And the second festival is Akbema. Akbema is the rite of passage of women, where women Girls between the age of 15, the age of 16, or when they see their first blood moon, where they become a woman, uh, will walk up and down the mountains chanting for good grace and um and the benediction of the gods, so they can find themselves a good man and a good husband. Most of the people that are at the bottom of the mountain were the avala, the evalot that actually won. The three years of their battle will be there to find their future wives. The third festival that happens is the festival of the, what they call the festival of the enlightened ones. That happens right after harvest. So usually around close to September. And during that month, there's three things that you cannot do. You can't touch any tree. You have no right to touch any trees. You cannot come to somebody's home with anything foreign to that house. And three, if you're if you're not part of the evalo, you had to stay home during the festival. Uh, at Part of the evalo or you were pregnant, you couldn't go to that festival. So the first time my uncle sneaked me out to actually see that festival where I was old enough, that was my first year of doing the vala I was 14 at that time turning 15 is uh, the festival really is the festival to demonstrate how strong you were as a witch doctor or demonstrate your ability your spiritual abilities to be able to do things that was I, I like to call it that was like the the witch fest to show next year who's the witch that or the or the doctor that people were going to see because you demonstrated something uh first thing I saw was a man cutting himself right with a with a blade without bleeding uh I saw this old lady that was walking that was the, that was probably the most permanent is I saw her from my left side she was walking and she passed this guy and then I saw this young girl just beautiful young girl walking by. I like she transformed. And I saw the one that actually my uncle himself that was part of those people because my uncle that sneaked me out is considered the bad kid of the family. Like my grandpa used to say, the devil possessed him. But I just had, I just liked him because he was funny for a 14 year old. I thought he was just hilarious.
2: We call that black sheep.
1: <laughs> but he, he, he will eat frogs. Like, he would take a live frog and just swallow it. And he would swallow it, swallow swallow
0: This is Alan Bishop of If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Are you interested in distilled spirits? The production thereof? Tastings? Well, let me tell you about a cooperative group of some of my best friends and favorite podcasters in the industry, the Bar Cart Co-op. The Bar Cart Co-op is made up of several unique spirits-based content creators. Do you love music? The stories behind the music? How about the way that music influences the people who craft your favorite independent spirits? Be sure to check out Kevin Rose and Drew Crawley with special guests on the Bourbon Turntable. Our craft spirits reviews Good laughs and big personalities your thing? Check out my brothers Patrick and Mike on My Whiskey Den every Monday at 9 o'clock Eastern. Patrick and Mike bring in the best of craft spirits. Review them and have a great time on their show. What a better way to follow up the shittiest first day of the week anyways. Do deep dives into distilling methodology with a diverse group of distillers the world over aimed at both home and legal distillers interest you? And check out my other show with my co-host Christy Atkinson, Distillers Talk, available wherever you get your podcasts. How about Victorian-era cocktails? My brother Brian Cushing, the Victorian man, has you covered. Over on YouTube via the Victorian Bar Room. For more information, check out barcartcoop.com. You hit on the
1: ground. And you see a bunch of frogs come out. Right? So he was the first one that did something that I'm like, Oh, I know this person. And they can do those things, right? Um, You'll see somebody will, you know, will, will like, they they, they will tempt each other. Like someone will come and say, will touch somebody and pull a snake out of their, you know, their face. Or, you know, they would do a bunch of stuff. But the reason why, you can't touch a tree. I had to have my own. I'm like, what is that? It's because... He's like, well, we take our soul and we put it into a tree or an animal. We borrowed their soul for the festival. After the festival, we take our soul back. So all the crap you see us eat, all the things we're doing, it is somebody else suffering that. But usually what happens is that right after the festival is always guaranteed you have two or three deaths that always happen and one of the people that i knew the day we were living, the day my dad actually was taken back to the city they say oh this person that had a f- fight with my uncle months back like people came to actually like beat my uncle up and my dad is like that motherfucker did it again But what he would do is that's the time he used to actually settle scores. So he would take your soul to go do those things. The reason why they came after my uncle is because the men woke up in the morning and start throwing up frogs and crap and things out of his mouth. And they knew that somebody that was in that festival used that guy's soul to do all these crap and come back. That was the first time I saw something very abnormal that I could not explain in my head, but I just knew it happens. But I actually, you know, you just don't ex- can't explain it. So when it comes to protection during those times, as a man coming in, if you finish your the three years, you become what they call a condoner, which is you are now a man. Your first line of protection. Now, mind you, not to gross people out, out there, in the old days, Everybody were about the same age that go, go to fight. So for the three years, the first thing you do, the ceremony is, if you think of the movie 300, it relates a little bit to that. You and your tribe all, all the kids of the tribe will go. The week before the festival, the the, the the wrestling festival, you guys will all go and you will hunt for a wolf. And the goal of it is as man, you will attack the wolf. Just to show your manhood and you bring the wolf back and you eat it. And when you actually are done, the wolf head, the, the brain of the head is what you put as protection on your body. And it makes you also shiny and hard to actually grasp by others when you are fighting. And the, the person that had the most worn match actually will take the head of the wolf. The head of the wolf is your protection as a warrior against others fast forward years later wolf are extend on the north side where we are they're out of the mountains so when a, a new the first born of every family is born your uncle pretty much buy you a dog because when you turn 14 that's the dog that's actually gonna be your wolf at that time so they you, you have to you do it the first year but after the first year it's a family thing, you know. The uncles will, will kill a dog. They will have the meat, and they'll just take the the oil and put it on your head and all over your body and prepare you the next day to go wrestle. So the, that's the first thing. The first thing is is that that's a normal protection to have for every anybody that did those four years. You you can have that as your protection. The second thing is during those season you the 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 what you were talking about, you know that corn. It's, it's a normal thing. That, like, you have, like, remember, it's harvest season. So you keep a whole chunk of corn. Like, we have, you have about four or five of them. They usually, is the first, the first um, ear earring of corn at the beginning of your land. You take all that out and you, you tie that. That's the first one at the corner of your land that when you, before you start your harvest, that's your protection because when evil spirit come, they have to stop first because you're offering food. But second is that they have to count all those kernel before they actually get into your, your home.
2: That, that's so interesting. that it's the same exact concept. Yeah. Well,
0: there's a, the, <laughs> there's another thing there, Jack, too, that's interesting. So you mentioned the wolf thing. So um, mo- <clears throat> most of my ancestry comes originally... Uh, from the Norse right and then they come up through um, Normandy and then eventually they end up in England but in Norse culture not all Norse culture but in, in uh, some of the warring factions within Norse culture they had a concept very similar with the war but it was uh, it was a separate group of and you know how teenage boys are right you're rambunctious you're full of testosterone they would pick the most rambunctious of the kids and these kids went to go live in a separate tribe that was all male, basically, right? They, they weren't out, they weren't doing trades, they weren't learning trades or anything, they, they learned war. That's what they learned. And they took on what they called the form of the wolf, by hunting wolves, and also kind of that sort of, same sort of um, it, it's a more negative connotation here to this, but it's sort of the same idea of like with some of the Native American traditions of skinwalkers, etc., right? And then what would happen is, let's say that the Norse got into uh, a battle that they needed help with they called those people in to fight that battle and then those people were allowed to come in only after the battle was won they could come back to civilization to celebrate and then they had to go right back out to the wilds and live in the wilds so there's, there's some interesting parallels there as well I mm-hmm. think So, mm-hmm.
1: I mean it stayed it's, it's the, even the tradition as you say in our military today in our military, so the Green Berets, what you does describe is our Green Berets. So most of our Green Berets in our military, all the training camp are on the north side because of the mountains. But most Green Berets, after you graduate from the academy and you become a Green Beret, they don't come out of the north side. If you see a Green Beret come from the north side in, it's because they're under the presidential guard. But as a normal unit, you see them only twice a year. Once because they actually are coming for a New Year when all the military comes in, or two is because it's National Independence Day and they're showing off their unit. Beside that, you don't see them. When we had our Civil War back in, in 1990 back home, the Green Berets were the unit that stopped the war. They in their training. Uh, one of my, my, my dad actually, my dad, my dad actually sent, he worked for the trade. So they sent things in uh, for the military and he would say, oh yeah, those people train to actually survive on blood. Like they would drink animal blood to survive because that's, that's what, that's what they're supposed to do. So most green berets don't come out and you, you cannot shave your beard. They all keep their beard. So they, they train in the wild, they stay in the wild. If they have family, they have encampment for their families to actually stay there. But you you will not see a greenberry just roaming around or normally there till you retire. Then you come to the city.
0: It's very much so that 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 feral thing that, that comes out and the, the almost the archetype of the green man. Right. But another example would be that I've always wondered about is in ancient Greece, you have the cynocephali. Right. And they are described as basically dog like men right or wolf like men mm-hmm. and and they're they're presented as mythical mythical beasts but i wonder if there is a connection there that has been lost in history you know what i mean with
1: uh, i'm sure there is i'm definitely yes, sure there is, is. So I'm sure the, there is the, the, the one the one, thing, the one thing that is funny is that i'm talking about the north side where i'm born but the, the the south side was completely different because one thing people don't keep in their mind when it even comes to Divinities, protection, and whatnot—the land matters, right? Because people, be, when people talk in general, mountain people live in something completely different than the sea people. Because West Africa, obviously, is by the Atlantic Ocean, and we have the ocean there. People from the south have a different way of viewing protection, completely. So. Me, when I was out, my my parents are from the north, but I grew up in the south. So most of my friends were from the south. And when they talk about, you know, what they do in their culture, they took me to some of their annual traditional culture. And I'm like, this is light work, you know. But for them, it was about, it was really based on color and type of food and what nature, what nature shows you. You see how they talk about like the uh, gophers, like you know, like you know what is it? Like something came out, so there's three weeks of winter, or you know. Yeah,
0: groundhog and yeah. Groundhog, groundhog, right? groundhog, right? Yeah, yeah. So, That's
1: so, right. so on the south side, they have like they have uh, the festival of of the stone, or what I would say the rock. And and literally, it's like an elder will go and there's this rock, and based on the color. That the rock is you will know if the harvests are gonna be good or the harvests are gonna be bad right? they have that. and that that type of protection had things to do with uh, the quarry. I don't know if people know Cory's is you know the shell, the quarry shells yeah, these people yeah, yeah. Have, these people have quarry shells. That's the type of protection you get, and they'll make you one as well as you as you are in, but you go to Benin. And Benin is where the voodoo culture really settled itself. So you believe in Mamiwata. Mamiwata is something. You know, you believe in, you know, people, well, I don't believe in mermaid. Some people really believe in mermaid and mermaid because that was the voodoo culture. Voodoo cultures by the sea have their the voodoo house that have the ligba, they call it ligba, papa ligba, which what which is the earth. Ensembled into your God And every family had their legba Which is literally a puddle of mud Made with eyes, with quarry And you will bring food to And you will bring donation to you, Some people will bring even money to To ask for something or ask for protection And most neighborhoods will have their own legba That was built by the elders Witch of the, of the neighborhood That built that neighborhood around that lake by and people will go and give it whatever they have and that's you know like almost like bring me your poor bring me bring me you your desperate that's where you so, went to ask for anything
2: jack and this is kind of like jives with like celtic mythology and alan and me do you have the whole legend of the siren song down in yeah. africa as well
1: yeah so so the one thing you have to also understand is that the voodoo culture is a transcendent culture around the globe so when they have the voodoo festival in benin funny thing is you got people from america you got people from europe you got people from asia that all travel to the to the land of where he started yeah. by that atlantic ocean to do all the ceremony that happened like i, I haven't seen more white people in my life than i've seen at the voodoo culture all dressing white because it's it's a sign of pure you know being pure and given to the ocean and you know giving to the you know the 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 mermaid mami wata and going in and 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 giving to the leg bars that they have and putting cutting white chicken putting the blood and making sure they actually ask for those protections
2: and i'm sure alan will echo this but i mean there's definitely parallels with like Hoodoo culture, which is in Appalachia here, where there is voodoo, there are voodoo components incorporated within hoodoo.
0: Yeah, it's there, so that's an interesting concept too, because there's i um, I'm certainly sure that there, there are pieces of that that like leaked into, into my family too, because like if you get into it, like you get into the hillsides, you basically have a culture that is made up of, of European, African American, and uh, Native Americans that all were together, and they all they had their own their own societies within the mountains, and they, there was certainly some of that in my family. I'm not direct. I'm not direct descended from that, but so you would, for example, and not to get off the, the, the subject that you started with, there, Jack, but like talk about some of the magical things that you've seen, right? Some of the paranormal things that you've seen. So, and I didn't see this myself, but it's a story that's been passed down to me about a my great great grandmother and a witch that was there in Appalachia that was taking children for whatever reason, right? And so the way that my great-grandmother dealt with that was by twofold. She bound her two different ways, and I suspect that there's, there's some traditions here that might have some overlap. So the first thing she did is she went to an apple tree and she drilled a hole in the apple tree and she wrote the name of the witch on a piece of paper and put it within the apple tree, put a dowel rod back in the apple tree and then put tar back over top of it. The second thing she did is uh, something that, well, we've talked about that separately, not on air, but um, basically making a sour jar. So uh, uh, you you take an acidic substance, write the name on a piece of paper, put your intention to it, put it in the jar, and dissolve the jar. So the story with the witch was that the witch was, she looked like she was 19, 20, 21 years old, but she'd been alive for hundreds of years. And shortly thereafter that she was bound... She immediately reverts into an old woman and is dead within a week.
1: I, I would tell you, I would tell you another one that. So, there's this joke when we were kids, that you know you don't whistle at night. The when we were kids, like don't whistle at night,
0: never. That and that's a cross-cultural thing too. Yeah, sure.
2: I was going to say I've heard that one too in white culture.
1: You don't whistle at night. But the other thing is that you don't sleep. Like we used to, you know, I'm from Africa. We we It's hot in the house. So we'll sleep outside. But you don't sleep outside till the fog start forming. So that's about 2 o'clock in the morning. Right? Between 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. You don't do that. Because they call it flying hour. Right, is the flying hour. I, Very much I, like the witching I, hour, yeah. I, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So because that's when all the witches are flying. Yes. Yeah. So funny thing is, now I don't know if the you know, I, I cannot say, but my uncle said multiple times. Like when when around when around literally around six, five thirty in the morning, you hear a big old noise or something. They're like, there you go. One of them, one of them was late for the train and fail. And the funny thing is, it's usually, you know, related to a bat or a whistling noise or a type of noise that happened. But the funny thing was, that, uh, if anybody knows what a baobab tree is, the baobab tree is one of the widest trees right in the- That
2: that reminds me of the French fairy tale Le Petit Ponce.
1: Correct. Right. So the baobab tree is considered the landing tree for for all the wizards and witches to come land on. So the funny thing is, you do not spend you you do not walk under a baobab tree at night. And the reason why is because the baobab tree can be alive for hundreds of years, grow through any type of weather, and it will still be there. You think it's dead and two years later it's growing a fruit. Like, no one understands how a baobab tree works. But it also is very tall. Usually starting about 16, 20 feet tall. Before you see, you know, you're seeing uh, branches on them. So one of the things that that was interesting is that while you know, while I was uh While I was actually, I was, I was, it was like five o'clock in the morning. My dad is like, oh yeah, we need to leave to go to one of it. He was building a house at that time. And, you know, we need to get there. We need to make sure that we, and it's 530. And we've seen all these people around just beating on something, right? Beating on something. And next thing you know, is this, like literally when they showed it, you know, when we ran in and my dad was the first one that had a car, you know, that showed the lights on it. And because he was like, he, because most, that that tree was adjacent to a school, a public school. So public schools don't have walls around them. It's just buildings. So the, the funny thing was my dad just barking and he's like, what, what's going on here? They he oh, that's a witch, that's a witch. She fell off the baobab tree. And blah, 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 blah. And really, when you saw her, she was just this old lady that had this dark clothes on. And they stopped beating on her, beating on her, beating on her. And next thing you know, like, like I'm not even kidding you. Out of the blue, out of the blue, while my dad is like, hey, let's get the fuck out of here. This is not... Everybody started running. Like, Just running, jumping on my dad's car, like running, jumping, and we are backing up the car and everybody keeps screaming, snake, 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 snake.
0: Hey, we all know how hard it can be to find good help nowadays, right? So imagine my surprise when an admirer of distillation and the product thereof showed up on the doorstep of Spirits of French Lick looking to intern to work for free for me. And I'm a bit of an asshole, to be honest with you. It surprised me as well. But the guy did such a great job that we got him hired on full time after just a couple of weeks. And he's now working as one of my new still hands at Spirits of French Lick. His name's Justin Whaley. And he's doing something really cool for those who enjoy distillation-related podcasts. He has started a podcast called Still Learning. It's kind of an audio journal where you can follow Justin's journey of learning and discovery about distillation in a professional setting. Check it out at Anchor.com and Spotify. Still Learning Podcast with Justin Whaley.
1: we talking seven or eight people just like flying off the, the hinges. And according to my dad, it's like, that's that's what we tell you. Don't whistle at night or don't stay under a baobab tree. Because this thing happened literally under a baobab tree that was by the school. And we were just passing by. And that was the first time I heard a witch fail. Because the sun came out too early and caught her outside. That's what it was.
2: And, and Helen, I think the snakes thing's another thing that's like cross cultural too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I, I, I think so as well. That's, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy, Jack. That's, a, that's, wow. Yeah. I wouldn't even, <laughs> I, I got, I mean, I have some stories, you know, obviously that I've been sharing, but they're not, um, I I can't think of anything like that that I've, I've had happen and I know those things happen.
1: Right? Oh no. They, they they happen.
0: Like Yeah. They I absolutely saw, happen. During the yes.
1: during the voodoo during the voodoo festival, I saw someone walk on water.
0: Yeah. I don't doubt that.
1: Now
2: I and, believe and, it one hundred percent.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, like like it was not like, oh, I think they walk on water. No, no, no. No, you
2: well, literally saw it.
1: I literally I literally saw and, him walk on water.
0: And what I what I think is a lot of times, unfortunately in the culture that we have here in the United States, and I've talked about this a couple times, but I know that these things happen. I know that weird things happen. I've obviously told a lot of stories about weird things happening, but I think the reason we don't see them as commonly, and there are places where they are more common, right? We all know of places in the United States where you can, you can find these things uh, in a more common way. But I think that most people are so distracted and so turned off the nature, and so they've got too many things going on, too many things on their plate, they get ignored. But I will say this, Obviously, with all these weird things that are happening in the world right now, right? Um, I do think there is a direct correlation to all the weird shit that's happened in the world the past three or four years, because now there are people who will talk about these things, that have had experiences, who four or five years ago, they would have never said anything about it, right? And it's gotten to the point where they can't ignore it anymore. So I know those things happen. It's just... It's, a, it's crazy that you actually saw that happen and it was, it was there and it was in front of you and you experienced it.
2: Yeah. And well, I've never, went, I've never experienced ahead. anything that graphic, yeah. but I will say every spiritual experience that I know involves a third party has been experienced by another person with me. Yeah. I did not experience it alone, the other person experienced it in real time with me. And expressed exactly what I was seeing at the exact right. same time.
1: Oh, 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 Chrissy, you wanna you wanna talk about you wanna talk about experiences something with me. Do
2: you tell me, do you tell. All right. I'm excited.
1: So, so here is what I would tell you guys. So most people are oblivious to their lineage, right? They don't mm-hmm. understand how blood. Oh like, no, Alan two and things. I know
2: our lineage very well right. because we come from so the there- same cloth.
1: There's two things that people always, I tell people. There's power in the blood, there's power in the name, right? There's power in the blood, there's power in the name. There's a reason why the Catholic Church tell you you have having the blood of Christ. There is a reason why, right? There's power in the blood, there's power in the name. Reason And in
2: Jack, like disclaimer, at least two of my ancestors were sentenced for alchemy. They yeah. also were acquitted, so, they were very charming. <laughs>
1: so funny funny thing is if you ever go right the most known ghost town savannah Mm -hmm. i've been there i have been
2: there multiple times
1: okay let me let me tell you this this amazing story this is not hearsay so veronica and i have been dating at that time for about about i think it was like 30 years so we have a room new year's new place so like we say, that. I had some points with IHG. They said they can let us stay in Savannah. That was a property. I'm like, oh, I've never been to, you know, I've been to Atlanta, but I want to see Savannah. But we can do the ghost tour and blah, blah. So we're in Savannah. One of, actually, the biggest characteristic that people don't keep in mind, that's going back. This may be a conspiracy theory for some people. But when we're talking about how a city is built, when we're going back to what people would consider the Illuminati and which sigils were used to build certain cities and why those sigils or those type of geometry was used to build a city. There is deeper meaning to that, right? right? There's deeper meaning to that. Now, we are in Savannah and for those who don't understand history, I want you to remember three things. One, The Trading Tobacco, The Trading and Tobacco Company. It's part of history that most people don't know. Two, the Triangle of Trade. The Triangle of Trade. And three, if he's an engineer, he's also an alchemist. That's that's what I tell people. So why? When, I, when we were studying slavery, the island of Goree in Senegal was a big deal. Why? Because every time any slave or any of war detainees were taken to be sold, they would they drag them all the way to the island of Goree because it was the best place for Spaniards to bring their bigger boat. There, the land wasn't too much to actually put slaves on. But one of the things that happened is that somebody built that island of Goree to be able to get slaves in to be packed by strength women so they can actually know how they kept them It said that if you stand the island of Goree lowly shore to the ocean it's said that if you stand there at night in the middle of the night you can still hear their cries you can still hear the, the dead slaves crying and when I went to the island of Goree we stayed overnight to see if we could, and my friends—we were like, we were like nine. My friends said they heard something; I didn't hear anything. So, but here's a shocker. Fast forward to 2000—that 2000, was 2017. 17 we are in Savannah, New Year, new place. So it's New Year's, Savannah, Georgia. We get on the boat, we have a good time, but the one thing that kept being weird is when we went downtime by the water. I'm looking down there and I'm like, like I, ha- I have goosebumps. I'm like, why does this look familiar? My my, my my girlfriend is like, dude, you you are you're being stupid. I'm like, why you always do this shit. Always say something look familiar. And I'm like, no, just literally. It's taking me back. And it, she's like, where? I'm like, this look like how Gore is. So, I had to go back and start Googling the same way the port of Gore was built to hold slaves, is the same way downtown Savannah was built originally. That's if you look so back, to actually hold slaves that were coming there, because in the tobacco and trading company used to do the same thing, they'll leave Europe with guns and with with guns and with cotton and whatever little they had guns and and wine from the from from theirs what they would leave. their next position was India to trade the guns for the spices and part of a commodity like like uh, some stones and also uh, phosphate is what they would take. They will also get mirrors. And shiny objects from India. They will come to Africa. To Africa, they will trade for guns, spice, and mirrors and shiny object to actually get slaves, get roots, get grains, and 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 get most of the things that they need to survive. So from Africa, they will go to Europe. They will go to the Americas to give them humans to give them roots to give them spice to get all the gold and the minerals and from europe they will go from america they will go back to europe
2: so i don't want to surmise from like mine and alan's history but what do mirrors and shiny objects mean in your culture
1: it mean it means a reflection of the soul it also means that you dress better as a, as a king than others you looked better and you look closer to the to the white man guns because you can actually take over your enemies on the empires because obviously you have a better technology to kill people so that's what it was so as you as that trading went again just for you guys that that actually don't know that's how pirates were born. So the crown, right? The crown, the pirates are literally the renegade that was going against the crown because they actually needed to take over that thing. They understood that the one place that the crown, big, you know, all the score of the crown from the, the Americas to Europe was the only time that they did not stop. When they were going to to Asia, they had to stop a few times. They had time to rabbit, you know, to get more stuff to get in. When they were coming to Africa, it was safe as well because all those passages were controlled by them. When they were going to the Americas or coming back to Europe, they didn't have any protection. But here is the story: a lot of those engineers, those alchemists that work on those places, were the same people. They built it the same. There's a reason why Louisiana downtown looked like every downtown in West Africa. If I, if you lowly walk on Bourbon Street, the way it smells, literally in the middle of New Orleans, if I take you to Africa in downtown, it's exactly the same. The way the building are exactly the same, right? You know who actually colonized the place by what it's built like. But coming back to Savannah, we are at night. During the day, I saw that place. And I didn't know, right? I know it was built that way, but I didn't know where what it meant, really. We had a, a ghost. We had a ghost toward the next day. So it's about two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. At that time, we were done with the party. We get off the boat. She's saying her feet hurt. I'm sweating left and right. So we're walking. We're like, well, let's walk a little bit to dry ourselves out. So we're walking and we are passing by those Look like little tiny garage to actually climb the stairs, those long ass steep stairs to go upstairs to go. And all of a sudden, Veronica holds my hands, and I turn my head. And I'm like, You heard that? She said, can You heard that? And it was a loud scream, like like somebody screaming as if they just got like but like 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 stop?
2: Like guillotined, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, right. So we stop. Now we're freaking out, and this this man, right? This man that wasn't even we didn't even see coming down the stairs. This black guy, homeless looking, walked to us and go, and go hey. How you doing, brother? I'm like I'm doing well. He's like, you African, aren't you? And I'm looking at him. I'm like, yeah. He go, oh, you know this word they used to keep us. Every now and then, if the blood is right, you can hear them again. He's like, so, I'm just hungry. He, he, he literally, that's all he said, right? Uh-huh. And and the brother could go keep who? He's like, oh, slaves.
2: He described exactly what you were feeling and
1: what little little people heard. slaves that came from Africa, they used to keep them here. They know every hole here. They just kept it here so they can show people. But it's like, I, but that, and Lilo only goes, oh, but that doesn't mean anything. Uh, I just need a dollar.
2: When you were in New Orleans, right. did you right. hear uh, like the priests and the, the, the entourage that went through trying to
0: bury their dead?
1: Yep. Yep. So you know he just, he's like oh I just need a dollar.
0: Yeah that's that's a that's that's a fucking right? messenger and and what it, what it, and what he said with the with the when the blood is right. Guess what
1: thing. guess what, we hand him five dollars. Right? Imagine handing money to someone, and then we walk in slowly we are about to climb, and we want to turn back to see okay where is he going? He's gone. Shit you I shit you not, we couldn't see the motherfucker.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And I'm I'm glad you brought up the uh, the symbology and the Illuminati thing and all that stuff too, because that's all people people miss out on all of that stuff and and all that magic and the reason why that those things were done the way that they were done, because and it doesn't like it doesn't and you know you know this too, Jack, it doesn't even matter if anybody else doesn't believe in in that power and that symbol with the people that built those things, they believed in it. Yep. And that's where they get their power.
2: It also shows how interconnected we all still are. It doesn't matter if Jack is from Doga or we're from the United States. We all like are interconnected in that way.
0: Yeah, man, that's a... the concept of the blood that you brought up multiple times too is
1: it's 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 one of those things where I tell people all the time is you may walk past things. You may like uh what what is that? And I don't know if you guys used to watch this show uh with the with the headless horseman. Oh, I
2: know what you're talking about. I don't remember the name of it. But the I
1: guy that actually died for a long time and then came back to life and
2: Yeah, it was like a Netflix
1: and, show or something like that. No, yeah. it was it was on TV for the longest time. Um for they are like five or six seasons where they, they go back and talk about you know how. You know, Thomas Jefferson and all these people used to believe like, you know, uh, you know, he, he, he that show is the one where I, I, I learned that it's not Lieutenant that you say, it's Lieutenant. And I, I, you know, like there's an origin to those things. I have to remember, I, I would tell you, like, there's a show, the guy have like a long, long hair. And there's this black girl that is a detective that is that was the you know the person that guided him through what he needed to do. But he's go back and tell us about Paul Revere and all the the magical signification behind things. Like, you know, when when you're why is it that the dollar look a certain way? What what is those sign meant? You know, what why is it that you know thom- oh. and I want to relate. When people say that, you know, I tell people all the time that one thing that people forget is that the new world, the new continent, right? America, the way it was founded, was based on everyone's effort. So when you actually look at it, a lot of things that left the old world, what we know we call it the old world, came into the new world the way washington is built like it looked like a big sigil the, the literally the way is built right uh the secret societies that you you needed to know why is it that this person and this person you know this person never created this thing but their name never showed you know why is the hell anybody watch uh, fort salem uh
0: uh-uh. no i haven't seen
2: that i haven't
1: really? heard of that one it's i'm um, Christy, you need to go. You need to go on on Hulu. If I you will find blue,
2: it. I do have Hulu. Lully, I will find it
1: and literally watch for, Fort Salem. Fort
2: Salem. Okay, I'm Fort gonna Salem, find
1: Salem, it. The reason why is they repaint us this world. where if right? If we never had witch trials and the witches
0: were our army. What would we Right.
1: Right. But when you actually see Fort Salem now, you have to understand there is the the the, the, the Hollywood a little where you know, my dog.
2: Hello, listeners of If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. You might recognize my voice. I'm Stephanie McNew. I host a podcast called Highly Spirited Podcast, where I give you a cocktail history and a ghost story that pairs with it. I'm a great big fan of what Kim and Alan are doing here with If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Be on the lookout for maybe a collaboration between us in October. I cannot wait. And in the meantime, if you want more ghost stories, check me out on Highly Spirited Podcast. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, should be anywhere you find podcasts. New episodes are out every Friday. It's like the, the movies and all that.
1: Right. Sleeping is a Sleeping Hollow. I found on Hulu. You, can, you I don't know where it is, but it came out in. Uh, Sleeping Hollow came in early, early 2010.
2: Okay, I'll check was, it out. Was, and, was. and I'm the worst person for television. I watch almost zero television. But I will check that one out.
1: I will tell you right now, Sleeping Hollow I was
2: Prioritize it.
1: So, if you believe in anything, if you believe in anything that has to do with what the culture of our founding fathers Mm -hmm. was supposed to be like, why is it that why is it that everything in America, like I, I have a lot of I mean, I believe in a lot of conspiracy. Like, I would say before Sleeping Hollow.
2: Oh, I have I Freemasons in, some- in my family, dear. I have grandmasters <laughs> of the Freemasons in my family.
1: <laughs> I, I believe in some conspiracy. After Sleeping Hollow, I believe in all, I believe in all of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's,
2: there's tons of conspiracy out there. It all exists, it honestly exists. Like, think of the wildest things. They're true.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, the more the more outlandish it seems, uh, the more likely it is to actually be right. a thing. Um, but so you mentioned Washington, D.C., so the gentleman who helped lay that out with George Washington was a guy named Alexander Ralston, yep. and uh, Ralston actually ended up here in Indiana, Jack, and he didn't live 25 minutes from me, and he actually he owned a distillery here, a huge distillery, for eight or nine years. He was actually, we, we don't know exactly what the relationship is, but he actually, brought an African-American woman with him uh, into Indiana, and they owned a store and the distillery together. Ralston later moved to Indianapolis, and he's the one that laid out the circle city design. And this is one of those things that's not understood about history, you know, symbol- those the symbology, the idea of manifest destiny, right? That they, eventually it's gonna get to the west coast, et cetera. The reason that that city is circle city, and the reason it exists the way that it does is it's a, it's a symbol, And it's the symbol of the middle of the country right it was the idea that he was laying down this magic that this is going to be the center of this country Mm -hmm. one way or the other and now we are going to get to the west coast because i have deemed it as such yep so
2: so wait is lexington the new circle because we look we're kind of like smack dab in the middle and we are a circle
0: right right but you got to bear in mind that this was all when you're trying to figure out canada and all that right, stuff. right you didn't time. know the countries yet yep and indiana is still very early you know it, it's still the it was still at that time the um kind of the the gateway to the the frontier right more so even so i'm just that St. on
2: you
0: <laughs> right um but yeah that's that's the kind of stuff that i really get into jack i, I like that kind of stuff and uh, i love
1: i love i love that kind of stuff i'm uh like I tell people all the time, sometimes I just need to know, you know, what was the belief behind something happened? Because I feel like people just sit there and just go, oh, this just happened because this guy had an idea. No, But I'm like, yeah. no. A lot
2: Even... of other people experience it at the same time. Correct.
1: Even the pyramid were built on a specific belief. Yes. It was some somebody who had a belief about something and then wanted to put it in, in creation. Right? Either is a spirit, either is a is a it's a it's a it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, uh you know something that you know when people say uh, you know I dream about something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or one thing I know for sure is I I get afraid of some of my dreams because me personally I get a lot of deja vu. Do you
2: ever share dreams with another person? Say what? Have you ever shared dreams with another person where they had the same, like a similar dream the same night?
1: It happened like twice when I was having a deja vu. So I've I had
2: thought. that happen twice recently.
1: Wow. Yeah. Like I had a deja vu. I'm having a deja vu moment and I'm holding that person and I'm like, hey, I've been here before. I've mm-hmm. seen this before. And the person's like, oh shit, I also seen this before. But it only happened twice in my life. Because most people won't get it, but I get a lot of these. Mm-hmm.
0: I get, I get, a, I get a ton of it as well, and and, and even just happening into the symbology and, and all that sort of stuff too. So, uh, and and I think that some of the examples in, in your culture and and my culture as well, uh, where there's, a, you know, there, you're familiar with the idea of the sacred and profane, right? Mm-hmm and that's that's very much what people tap into when they get into those things and again the more unbelievable that something is the more it, it probably actually is true yeah um, and the more that it the more profane in many ways that it becomes the more that it puts you in the mindset to be open to it as well so the more ludicrous it gets the more you fall into it right the, the and even even all the way down to something as simple as comedy people mm-hmm. come together over over comedy because you're breaking those you're breaking those walls, yeah, right, and putting people in a different mindset. But Jack, sometime, um, sometime when you're going to be back around Louisville and you have some time, let me know. Uh, I have a couple of places that I would like to take you in this county if, you, if you're interested in going and show you. A couple
1: I'm things. coming to Indiana. I'm just coming. I'm, uh, the, the goal, the, the goal, the goal is to actually to actually come. Uh, my goal is to come come spend a couple of days with you. Yes, because we we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, and I have I have I brought more roots from for you from Africa.
0: Oh yeah, good um, deal, man.
1: There is a, a something interesting is I actually went and saw a herbalist, uh, A.K.A. the lady of the corner, and I'm like, oh, what new roots do you have here? I don't want the baby maker anymore. The dick root is fine. I I, I don't want. She's like, you know. No one is it's like she's like you know everybody needs roots that help with indigestion digestion. Like if you it's like if you ever constipated and just can't poop,
2: she didn't offer like virility roots, right?
1: Oh, always that's the first thing <laughs> everybody offer. You walk in as a man, that's very like she offered I came with a new
2: this is the uh, strong dick uh, stuff uh, right uh,
1: here. A uh, ver- uh, uh, version 2.0 of the dick root. <laughs> <laughs> like I brought, I, I brought that back. And you
2: know. Oh wait, did you use it yet?
1: Oh man, I I use it as needed, and well,
2: I, That's awesome! I love I, this.
0: I have to tell you something, Jack. Uh, have you
2: used the dick root too, Alan?
0: <clears throat> no. So Jack gave me dick root, and I've not been allowed <laughs> to use it yet because <laughs> it's too powerful. It, Kim, so there's Wait, a can thing. I borrow this? There's a thing that happens with with, for, and probably this is a genetic hillbilly thing on my side to be honest with you. But there's a thing that happens with moonshine that Kim calls the Mm-hmm. right? Okay. And so when Jack told me to put the dick root in the moonshine, and Kim found out that it was called dick root and it was in moonshine as well, she's like, "Fuck no, yeah, yeah. Hell, no, no, don't yeah. you're not
2: putting that in me. No, no dick root." Mm-hmm.
0: Right. <laughs> but no one of the things jack i would like to i'd like to do with you if you when you get a chance to come up here and you're more than welcome to come stay in the cabin and all that stuff dude um i'd like to take you to a couple of the um a couple of places where i know there were uh uh, there were african-american uh villages towns whatever you want to call them here in washington county and the nearby county and i want to take you to uh uh there's there's specifically a place in orange county that i would like to take you to to go see where there's still some uh uh, uh, remains of the villages and all that stuff that were there, um, and I would I would love to take you out there and, and see see what kind of thoughts you have on it, what kind of feelings you get from it, etc. Yeah. Man. And,
2: and I want to rewind a little bit. There, you mentioned the cabin. I want to know what type of experience Jack has in your cabin because people have weird experiences in your woods, Alan.
0: Jack will be able to handle the trickster just fine. No, he I can handle,
2: he can handle it. But I want to know what he takes away from it. Yeah,
0: he can handle I, it just fine. He's always for it. I'm always curious to hear what experiences people have in there. Sure. So, um,
1: but you have to understand when I'm when I'm worn knowing things that we went through in our lives. You know where I'm from. If I'm warned of something because I don't know if it's good or bad, mm-hmm. I have my own rituals I have to do before I actually sleep at that point.
2: All that I'm curious to hear these.
1: So, like, like now that you told me, like, oh, there's a trickster around or something, like there's things I have to bring with me, and things I have to set up. Yep. Oh, and, and
2: we've we briefly hit on this in distillers, like extremely briefly, but um Alan does have a spirit or many. It's at least one spirit within his woods that likes to play little games and take on different forms.
0: There, there, are, 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 two, there are two full episodes of If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. <laughs> that, that's the Trickster one, Volume 1 and Volume 2 that talk about mine and my family's experiences. And then the episode that I did with my friend Bill Nicely touches on some experiences not a mile away that I suspect are very closely interrelated.
2: You're still and in the Black Forest.
0: Yeah, and whatever whatever it is, Jack, in, in my opinion, it's uh it's a nature spirit. That's 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 what I've come to believe. It's something connected to the land here in Pekin. <laughs> and it's something that I think people in Pekin are now starting to talk about because I've had other people reach out with experiences too. And whatever this nature spirit is, it's it's kind of a, a lower level nature spirit. It's it's something that likes to feed off of your reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And as long as you don't give it that energy, it'll stop. It'll yeah, it gets bored with you. Stop. Yeah, it, it doesn't mess with me anymore. It messes with my dad because my dad will play into its bullshit.
2: Does it does it mess with Kim or does it stop messing with Kim?
0: A little bit, not as much as it used to. So things that things don't happen at the house because the house. I know
2: Kim bored. like does a lot of altar offerings.
0: Yes. The so here's, here's what I'll say uh, on that and and, and we can kind of come towards the end of this one here because um, I think it'll be a really great episode and Jack, we're, I, I gotta get you back for another episode of this too um, I think the reason it messes with Kim is just a little bit still right now and it always has is because when all that happened was also shortly before her dad got sick and passed away and her mom is sick right now And I think that that, that's, it's making her- It's feeding
2: off of that fear.
0: Right. She's a little more vulnerable. Getting off on it. Vulnerability, that's what I was about to say.
1: Hey Metalheads, I'm Mark and I host Metal Forge. Let me tell you about the show. The Metal Forge features the best underground metal from all over the world. We spend every week with a different artist, with interviews, in-depth conversations, and most of all, the music. We also feature audience interactivity where you can submit your questions to the upcoming guests. New episodes are out every Friday at noon Eastern Time at MetalForgeRadio.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts.